Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Victor Landa and I'm your host of the 18 podcast, also known as the New Taco podcast. People know it by a whole bunch of different things, but the thing is that here we are, as we always are, talking about issues that are pertinent to the Latino community. And and it's strange because it's not like there isn't enough to talk about ever since this year started. Okay, ever since this presidency started, there has been more than enough more than enough topics to talk about more than enough issues to discuss and we try and keep up but it's just there's so much going on and you know what happens is that sometimes there are the big issues that take up the time in the national mainstream media and there's a lot of smaller issues that are really really important to the latino community to the us latino community and they sort of get by, go by the wayside because the the president and the presidency are taking up so much attention these are important things and and it's sort of like what's happening in the wake of trumpism uh and and things that are bolstering this really anti-immigrant anti-latino very conservative strain of politics that's in place right now. So we do our best to talk about it and that's what we're going to do today. Today we're going to talk to El Libro Traficante and this is awesome for me. This is really a lot of fun because uh, his name is Tony Diaz. He's also known as El Libro Traficante and I've known Tony for a few years now ever since uh, he sort of came into uh, more uh, of, of the awareness across the country because he started his his caravans of banned books, and he was smuggling them into uh, Arizona, where these books had been had been banned. And these are these are uh, books mostly by Latino authors, by Mexican American authors, and um, for many reasons, these books were banned. And there was a law that was put in place in in Arizona. It's HB twenty two eighty one. If you're taking notes on this, and this is what it does, and and I want you to listen carefully to all of the implications what's what's being said what's couched in the language as it's written so hb 2281 in arizona makes it illegal to teach classes that promote the overthrow of the united states government promote resentment toward a race or class of people are designed primarily for pupils of a particular ethnic group or advocate ethnic solidarity instead of the treatment of pupils so it's all language that sounds like what they're after is unity and don't, don't try and tear us apart, but really, or, or don't try and pull apart the fabric of our society by, by teaching classes that, that only concentrate on one, pe- uh, one group of people because that undermines the cohesiveness and the unity and, and overthrows the United States government. Really lofty stuff, but really what they're going after is ethnic studies. They're going after Mexican American studies. That was the point of this law. So um, along with this banning, there were also a number of books that were banned and books that, you know, in the Latino community, in the Chicano community, in the uh, U.S. Latino community. These are books that are revered. They're, they're beloved books that talk about our culture, that talk about our past, that talk about our dreams and, and, and our possible future. And they were banned because they, they, were, they were, trying to over, were trying to overthrow the government with these books, according to these people. I'm just going to leave it at that, these people. So that's where, that's where Tony got his inspiration and he, and he started smuggling these books into Arizona and setting up underground libraries, which is a brilliant idea, just a fantastic, brilliant idea. Well, now this case is back in court. It's starting up again. There's a lot that's changed in 
Arizona politics. The people, the politicians who pushed these ideas forward are no longer there. They ran their course. They burned out Jan Brewer and Joe Arpaio and people of that ilk uh, have been run out of office and they're not there anymore. So, so there's a chance to come back and change these really heinous laws. And that's what, that's, uh, what this trial that's starting in Tucson is all about. And because it's, it's starting again, um, Tony, the Libro Traficante, started another caravan. And he wanted to coincide uh, arriving in, in uh, Tucson on the day that the trial was going to begin. So he started in Houston and made his trek. In the heat, by the way, when he made this trip, this part of the country was in this heat dome, and he was headed to Phoenix where it was like 122 degrees or something crazy like that. I caught up with him when he was in Albuquerque, and he was at an outdoor open market. I think it was like a farmer's market, and he's on his cell phone. I'm talking to him. We're having this conversation. He's walking around outside in, in a park somewhere in Albuquerque, and we had this fantastic conversation. And that is today's podcast and it was a lot of fun to do very informative and there's a lot of takeaways uh, ways that you can help uh, things that you can do so let's get started here's my conversation with tony diaz el libro traficante So, Tony Diaz, welcome to the New Stacco Podcast. Welcome to the Dieciocho Podcast. How you doing? You are in Albuquerque right now, are you not? Yes, I am. It's great to, to get to shoot the breeze and tell you a little bit about the Luda Tafiata Caravan from Houston to Tucson. Yeah, listen, uh, before we do that, just because you're in you're in New Mexico, I'm in Texas, and we're both under this heat dome. Tell me a little a little <laughs> bit about the about the heat. It was 103 here in in uh, San Antonio uh, just about an hour or two ago, and you were traveling in this heat. What what uh, what was it like? Well, I I understand this is training heat for the furnace that is Tucson and Arizona right <laughs> you're now. Heading, oh. You're heading straight into like the heart of the heat. That's where you're going. <laughs> You know what's funny though is that when we went from El Paso here to um, and then Las Cruces, uh-huh. it's actually a little cooler here in Albuquerque from Las Cruces. I guess we're a little more north and a, a yeah, little and, higher altitude and higher. Yeah, exactly. So you get a little respite from from the heat. It, so so from it, from it, from go ahead. Oh yeah, no, it's like a cold snap. It's under a hundred degrees here. <laughs> what is it, ninety-seven <laughs> or something? <laughs> Listen, so your next leg, you're in Albuquerque, and you'll tell me a little bit about where you are right now, but what's your your next leg? Are you going to go all the way into, into Arizona tomorrow? Exactly. The our, our end goal, the reason we're traveling these 1,100 miles is to get to Tucson to witness the Arizona Supreme case against the Arizona law banning mesh market studies. And this is important because if that law is upheld, it could be used to prohibit ethnic studies in every state of the union. So we're working on that. But we stopped in, uh, we started in Houston, did a great event there, did a great event at our underground library at the Southwest Workers Union in San Antonio. That's right. Did a wonderful event in El Paso. Got to hang out with the brilliant Denise Chavez. Did a wonderful homecoming for us there. So we have a lot of energy and animal as we come to our underground library here in Albuquerque, which is at Los Jardines. And, of course, we had to come out to a farmer's market because we take the books to the community. And we're at Dolores Huerta Park, fittingly named, <laughs> and talking to a lot of great people who are 
stunned that Arizona is banning the lit, and they are promising to keep our underground libraries here active and to stay apprised and to show a lot of love to the people in Tucson for what they had to suffer. That's awesome. Tell me a little bit about the farmer's market where where you are. What's what's around you? What what kind of things can you see there? You know what? This park has been redeveloped. You know, this is everything we're doing is about community, right? And yeah, yeah. This has been developed from an empty lot to this beautiful park. Actually, they're inaugurating it today. And oh, really? They really put a lot of time and energy into it. It's got beautiful swing sets that are brand new. Space age, like I never played on anything like that when I was a kid. Space age, <laughs> Space yeah, bouncy age, houses and stuff. I'm like, I don't even know how to play on that. <laughs> <laughs> but then they also have a lot of green spaces here. They have a little dais for community engagement. Cool. Today they've got about um, several dozen puestos, a ton of people walking around. They've had poets, speakers. We've gotten up the chance to tell people about what's going on as well. It really is a beautiful experience. And, you know, I think a lot of our literature talks about La Cruzada from the U.S. to Mexico. Yeah. But we don't do La Cruzada from state to state enough. And we've been blessed with Caravan to meet all our, our brothers and sisters in the literary family. And it really is rejuvenating because there's so many brilliant pockets. I, I want people to think about when they look at the roots for the for the Libertación de Caravan, they can go to the website, libertación.com, to, to see where we've been before and, and we're following the same track. We're okay. basically tracing the legacy of Chicano literature in the Southwest, and it's rich. Tomorrow, we're going to go visit Rodolfo Anaya to get his blessing as we head on over to Tucson. So this That's has been wonderful. A lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been, it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. And getting us ready to have to sit down in the same room as these far-right oppressors that want to step on freedom of speech. And I'm hoping that we're going to see America live up to its ideals and overturn that. But we're getting a lot of animo, cariño, and we're going to send all that to the people of Tucson. Now, when you say that you're going to be in the same room, are you going to have a meeting with them, or are you talking about the courtroom? You're going to be present when this uh, this uh, lawsuit is going to be is going to be heard? In the courtroom. So in the, the court. court case attempting to overturn this law, it starts Monday. And yeah. to make it as inconvenient as possible, it's going to be one week long this month, Next month, it'll be another week long, and they're setting up a date for a third week. Um, so yeah. s- set this up for us a little bit, for, for people who might not be familiar with what you're talking about. Can you give us just a, a brief little history of how we got to this point? Why is it that you have to do, you have to travel a thousand miles and, and get to Tucson to go to a court, uh, uh, a lawsuit because it's important? Could you explain that to us? Yes. People should know that right now in Arizona, there is a law that prohibits courses that promote the overthrow of the government. And the only course that was accused of that was the kindergarten to 12th grade Mexican-American Studies program that was in place at the Tucson Unified School District. And basically, there was a 17-year-old Chicana that had a Sioux, Arizona. So, you know, my parents, when they were teenagers, were picking. This teenager is fighting Arizona. So I guess our, our youth always have to be you know, working hard. And the court case went all the way up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Okay. If people go to com, they can, there's a link 
the C-SPAN recording of the oral argument. You can watch that. But the Ninth Circuit kicked it back to there with the Supreme Court. And this time there's going to be permitted evidence that is a research that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that this, uh, this material was beneficial in, in getting our youth to embrace education. It's going to prove that it helped our youth. But l- let me put this in context, too. As we travel um, 1,100 miles to witness the court case that could decimate ethnic studies in every state of the Union, we're actually carrying a textbook that I wrote called the Mexican American Studies Toolkit that could spread Mexican American studies faster than ever. Uh, Victor, I know you remember and you helped out last year when they submitted that racist textbook in Texas for yes, consideration yes. high school. You remember that, right? I sure well, do. Part of the campaign to to reject that book was also to open up the call for um, material again. And uh, I'm happy to say that on June 7th, I submitted the Mexican American Studies Toolkit for consideration. Good I only bring you. it up because I'm not, thank you, thank you very much. I'm not overstating it when I say that had we not gone on that first caravan to Arizona, the smuggle the books that were banned in Arizona back into Arizona, we would not have come back to Texas and been as active for ethnic studies as possible. We were able to ban with people to stop certain policies that could have spiraled out of control. And here we are spreading it far and wide. People should know, too, that on the flip side, California now has laws where, in different school districts, students must take ethnic studies to graduate. The so complete really, opposite, it right? The, the, now it's more, it could be the worst of times or best of times, Victor. No, sir, this, is, yeah. this is a very interesting moment, you know? You know what I'm really interested in, and, and uh, something that I was thinking about today when I was preparing uh, the, this conversation with you, I'm wondering, uh, how does how do you... How does this happen? How do you become the Libro Traficante? Where, because it's it's educational and it's subversive at the same time, which is awesome. <laughs> but but, but uh, how how does how does Tony Diaz? I mean, were were, were you a reader? Were, were, were you a, a troublemaker when you were a kid? Tell me a little bit about that. How does this come out? Well, I got I got into books because I thought it would keep me out of trouble. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> okay. I'm like, I wanted to do time behind books, okay? But little bit I know that that passion would get me mixed up with all types of uh, thinkers, right? Um, yeah. But I'm glad you asked that question because the the tip of the pyramid is Libra Traficante, but the base is the group that I started 19 years ago called Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having to Say. And with that group, I think um, one quick interesting note to make is that we just started convening to share our literature, right? And then the format was we have a national published author, but also writers from the community writing in English, Spanish, and Spanglish. And I bring it up because we didn't convene because there was a crisis to address necessarily, right? Yeah. It was, we wanted to embrace our culture. That was in 1998. Wow. But in the process, we wound up getting trained to be book smugglers. <laughs> um, yeah. In the course of all that work, those showcases, the book fairs, we met pretty much all of the authors, most of them, who are on the banned book list. If you go to LibreTopicCenter.com, you can access the list. If there's a tab called Banned Books, you'll see the list of 80-plus books of those authors. We met most of them on and- top of it. And yes, Dark. Some of these, some of these books are 
you know, to, to, not to uh, overuse the word, but, but they're like beloved books of, of Chicano Mexican American <laughs> oh. literature. Yeah, I not? mean, Mina, we're here at, in uh, New Mexico. We're talking to folks, and I, I, we just talked to one uh, Chicana mom, and we gave her, we gave her, just to, uh, we gave her some contraband prose, okay? <laughs> we <laughs> gave her it. a copy. <laughs> we gave her a copy of Carmen Tafoya's Curandera. Right. which was banned in Arizona, and Wings Press gave us copies of that. And I, I want people to know that Wings Press republished the book when they found out she was banned. I gave her a copy of Curandera, but she started saying, we saw the play, we read the book, we saw the play, Bless Me Ultima, and my son cried at the end. Oh, wow. He, he cried because they killed the owl. He yeah, knew it represented yeah. Ultima. He knew it was wrong, and it dawned on me that that's exactly why these far-right Republican legislators in Arizona banned this book. They don't want that young man to be touched by literature, because Bless Me Ultima is one of those books on the curriculum accused of promoting the overthrow of the government, and for, like you say... <laughs> And the beloved book, you know, unless the owl has a secret code in owl that I don't understand, there's right. the word government and overthrow don't appear in that book, right? So, so getting into technicalities now, getting into like into legalese, what is it that these conservative uh, legislators in Arizona, what is their hook? Why, why do they say that these books are promoting the overthrow of the government? Is, is, what is the basis of their argument? That's a great question. I'm still waiting to see what that is. Uh, <laughs> okay. Course, it's kind of like know, the health law, uh, right? You know? Right? No, and, and I guess we're going to see what cards they're going to play. If, if people go to the – I want them to watch the Ninth Circuit Oral Arguments, right? And, and I've taught that at workshops for, for high school students and college students, and they get a little intimidated because it's oral arguments. But I tell them, all you need to do is write down three sentences that you understand or catch your attention. And – what, what happens then is they're going to hear the lawyer for Arizona. By the way, worst job on earth, lawyer for Arizona. They're going to hear her. <laughs> really? <laughs> they're going to hear her stammer when she can't come up with the answer to the judge's question. When he says, okay, how do you teach a class about a group of people without treating them as a group of people? <laughs> okay. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes it a good question. It's a great question, and she couldn't come up with an answer. Um, you know, the 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 other part in, in that in that argument too. She, the, the judge asked her, "Well, in San Francisco, which is where the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is located, yeah. we have a big Asian population. Mm -hmm. What if we offered a class to help Chinese students improve their English? And lo and behold, only Chinese students." Enroll? Would that be illegal in Arizona? And she said yes. Okay, wow! So, really? And, and again, people can go to um, you scroll to the bottom. You can watch the oral arguments yourself. It's mind blowing. So the sense any of this makes is nonsense. Um, but on the on the flip side, we really do need to let Arizona, the community, know that we support them. Secondly, yeah. I do want people to know that. When we made that first caravan trek, we, we joined the national movement that kept that un-American law in check. So that didn't that ban of 
ethnic studies in Arizona, that didn't spread to other states like the anti-immigrant law spread, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and and but, was it was there a plan to do that? And was there like some nefarious, you know, a, a plan somewhere to to make ethnic studies or a ban of ethnic studies kind of grow across the land? Was there something like that planned? If you ask legislators, they're going to say no. But here's what happened: um, when we went to Arizona, we we heard the language that was used, and then we went back to Texas. And I remember looking at the 2012 Republican platform. And it had two sentences that bothered me, concerned me. One sentence said, we oppose the current teaching of multiculturalism. Oh. I was like, oh, I'm going to put a check next to that. Yeah. On top of it, there was another line that said, we oppose students being treated as a group and not as individuals. That is straight out of the Arizona prohibition. There's four prongs to the Arizona prohibition. That's one of them. So they were cutting and pasting. Say it again? They were cutting and pasting. Exactly. Exactly. And we reacted right away to it. Um, we started calling the, the Republican Party. I wrote an editorial for the, for the Houston Chronicle. Mm-hmm. We started talking about it. Uh, and again, that wound up going away. Right? So in I just, Texas. I just, bring it, I just bring it up in that if we had not know what to look for, we would not have nipped that in the bud. So, so g- g- give me an idea of the group. You, you, when you say we, uh, uh, it seems to me that you're not talking just about the Libro Traficante movement, but but there are other people involved as well? No, exactly. So, for example, so the Libro Traficante caravan was organized by, by five of our crew, mm-hmm. uh, Lupe Mendez, Brian Para, Siena Lopez, Laura Costa, but we grew out in Nuestra Palabra. We worked with Knox Tejas Poco, um, which is part of the Knox National Conference. Uh, we work with a group called Mas Texas, teachers, instructors. Um, the other thing I want to point out, too, is that our underground libraries are at non-traditional book sites. So, for example, here in Albuquerque. Hold on, before you go on, just there's something about that that underground library that just <laughs> sets off fireworks in my mind. That is that that is so awesome. Can can you explain to me, like, paint a picture of of what an underground uh, library looks like? Where is it? Where does one go to one of these things? And, and um, there's not too many rules, but there are some rules. We can't have an underground library at a bookstore. We love bookstores. But bookstores they are, are awesome. Yeah. Exactly. They're awesome. They approach books a certain way, but we can't do an underground library there. Also, we, we don't want underground libraries at colleges or universities. They, of course, are wonderful, and they can do their books the way they want. We insist that the underground libraries be at community centers, and we actually vet it by talking to people in the community and say, hey, do you go to Swoop? You know, you go to Southwest Organizing Project, and they say, yeah. yes. And we're like, that's where we're doing it. Los Jardines is beautiful. They have a homegrown garden there. They do workshops. <laughs> they organize uh, different environmental justice events. Now, in San Antonio, it's at the Southwest Workers' Union. And typically, you don't hear the words workers' union related to literature. No, <laughs> not very often, no. no. <laughs> right? But that's also the intersectionality that we're after because they do reach the community in different ways than the book folks do. And that's really what we're after. The other thing I want to add, too, is that the ban isn't going to dictate 
or eradicate our literature. So we start by donating copies of the banned books, but then people can donate self-published books, you know, huh? other books from the region, other, and, and of course, other culturas. But the idea is to really make it organic to the community in a different way. That makes, that makes perfect sense because uh, I've always believed that anytime that there's a problem, anytime that there's a challenge, that that is also an opportunity. There's energy there to make something positive. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and the other part to what, to, to what you're saying, too, is that our community has addressed it in some way. So our goal as artists is to think of what's a new way to, to address this. And it's also a lot of fun, you know. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like it's a blast. <laughs> it is, you know. And uh, we had a great time in El Paso yesterday with so much, you know, uh, animo, uh, aspect dance to begin with. Mm. And you know, I love books, so what better to get to hang out with Chicano legend Denise Chavez and <laughs> you know, right, big bread, right? It's a great <laughs> excuse to be able to do that. <laughs> this is like. I thought graduate school would be like this, but it wasn't, right? <laughs> well, okay. Big Uri and, Naya. <laughs> and, and to me, that's another sign that this is a, this is a, we're on the verge of Chicana Chicana Renaissance because in one of the era, and a Chicano from the South Side read a book that opens his mind and wind up having breakfast with those authors. <laughs> Imagine, yeah. <laughs> and we've been delivered to that time. So, so, so for- that, that's, for people that, that are listening right now uh, and, and they're thinking, okay, what can I do? What, what is my part in this? Uh, what would you suggest? Well, we can keep them posted on what's going on if they go to our, our social media parts. They need to spread the word. They need to tell other people to begin with. Um, they can leave with Dr. for more information. If they can, it would be great if they did affinity events, which would just be displays of the banned books, right? Uh-huh. Spread it even more. If they're in a city that supports the, um, the underground libraries to visit those, we're actually uh, been taking donations for the Tucson Underground Library. If they go to LibreTopic.com, there's an address to that. And the other thing, too, is that to really spread it and be aware, because really what happens is that it could be a simple act of letting a teacher know, hey, look at this band book list. These books are great. Can you can use one for Spinal Carriage Month. That's, That's right. That's so these right. are different ways that people can direct. And we also want them to, to keep keep an eye on what's going on in Arizona because they've suffered the brunt of this and they've inspired us to, to be involved and they need a lot of support as they go through what I hope is the last stages of this, of this terrible law. Would this be the end of it? If is this uh, court uh, hearing? Is this lawsuit? Is this the final thing? Like whatever happens starting Monday, that's going to be the final word. Once this case is decided, it could go to an appeal. Right? That's okay. I am of the opinion, though, that Arizona should drop it. Um, so if let's suppose it goes to the Ninth Circuit, the Ninth Circuit has already rejected it, right? Yeah. Um, and then what? It goes to the it goes to the Supreme Court. Yeah, after the Ninth Circuit, that's yeah, I would go to the right? Supreme I Court. Mean, the, the, and, and with this research, I don't even think the Supreme Court would review it, which means right. the Ninth Circuit stands. So the whole question of standing. Exactly. Exactly. Here, here's the other thing. 
all the far right legislators who gained power with the anti ethnic studies movement and the anti immigrant movement out of power. So SB 1070 and this ethnic studies ban were signed into law by Jan Brewer, That's right. who burned so many bridges she didn't run for office again. You have also the Department of Education Secretary Horn. He lost. Kupenthal lost. Right? Um, so everybody that came in on that wave is gone. There's nobody there to yeah. keep and, giving and, it energy. And the flip side, too, here's a symbolic act. This year, racist sheriff, former sheriff, George Pio's yeah. city was taken down by the guy who beat him for an election. Hmm. So, to me, it sounds like Arizona wants to turn a page. And this sounds like the last of those laws from that era. I, I would hope Arizona would walk away from it. So there's there's some of the options. It's up to everybody to, to let Arizona know that we're watching them. Going back to your description of the underground libraries, just I have a question that's in the back of my mind. Do, do these underground libraries function, work as a library? Can you go? Can you go to one of these underground libraries and borrow a book? Yes. Now we don't dictate what the policies are for each okay. uh, site. But for example, if you go to Southwest Workers Union, mm-hmm. you could go to one of their workshops. You can read some of the books there. They can lend you some of the books. Sometimes we give them books to give away. Carlos Jardines, same thing. People can come during the workshops and come, you know, chill out with the books. Typically what happens is they'll go for some other event and then lo and behold, here are the books. The library's right? there. Yeah. Exactly. What if people so want to donate some books? Do, do, they, do they just reach out to whatever or wherever the local underground library is? Yes. If they if they go to libertrafficante.com and click on underground libraries, there's addresses for, for them. And then they could basically contact it or send or mail them the books. And then the community gets them, which is great. And That is fantastic. Like as a teacher... As an educator, for me, it is always nice to have a classroom set of the books. If you've got 20 or 25 copies, you could actually do a class where everybody's reading it. Um, in Houston, we've done book clubs events. Um, you know, it's great, too, because sometimes it's folks that you don't think of as book people who lead workshops and give wonderful presentations mm-hmm. on some of these books. That's fantastic. Um, you know, and there's there's a part of me that wishes that uh, I was there in Albuquerque with you and just hidden the road, except for maybe the heat. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are. You're helping us. It is in the compatriota. You've helped us in many causes. So you're here, brother. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Listen, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I'm glad you're, you're doing what you're doing. I'm glad we were able to have this conversation. And I'm glad we were you know, a, a, able to do this on Facebook Live. I know there have been a lot of people that have been popping in and out and listening all, all along. So, so that's you know, kind of groundbreaking for us here at Newstock at the Beautiful. same time. So, so gracias, Tony. Muchísimas gracias for everything you're doing and for spending some time with us. Thank you so much. And if you're within the sound of my voice, I deputize you on Libro Traficante. There you go. Everybody who heard this, you are now Libro Traficantes. So that means you got to have some books in your trunk in the trunk of your car. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Victor. Thank Appreciate you, Tony. It. Take care. Be careful. That's it. Bye. Bye-bye.
You know what I think? I think we need more of this type of imagination, more of this type of energy, more of this type of can-do spirit. You know, I said this. Uh, you know what I'm when when you when you see a problem and and you come up with this innovative kind of crazy radical way of doing it. When when you see something that needs to be done and you think to yourself, you know what? I'm gonna do something and I'm gonna do it my way, which is really what Tony did. Tony has started his Libro Traficante, which is a wonderful idea, and I loved it because it's a combination of of being an advocate for education but doing it in a subversive way, which is a wonderful combination. And I'm so glad he did it. I'm so glad he thought of it. And we need to we need to take people like Tony who do things like this and spur them on and give them energy and and be with them and see how we can be a part of of their movement and what they're doing because in the end. It's part of our movement, too. It's all connected. We're all connected. Anyway, my thanks to Tony for taking time from his, uh, his little walk in Albuquerque to give us a call and have a chat with us. And we will be telling you more about this, about this uh, trial in, in uh, Tucson, Arizona, as, uh, as it uh, gets started and moves along. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. Please share this with people that you know and even people with you don't know that you don't know. Uh, send them the link. Tell them that this is a really good podcast because it is and it's something that you listen to regularly. Here, I'm giving you talking points to give your friends and uh, that uh, it's a great conversation that we all need to be a part of. So please do that. Uh, thank you for listening and, and please share this. Thank you for, for reading New Stocko. Thank you for reading the, the Latino Daily, those of you who are subscribed to it. And if you haven't subscribed to it, uh, do so. Let, let's let's get going. What you need to do is you need to go to the New Stockle Facebook page and there's a blue button that says sign up. Just click on it. Send me your name, first name, last name, and email. It's all I need. And I'll do the rest. I'll send you the newsletter that I write every morning and it'll be in your inbox every morning. And uh, you can also go to the New Stockle website, newstockle.com. And there is also on the top right corner, there is a place where you can click and sign up for the newsletter. Anyway, gracias, gracias, gracias. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next time. Until then, échenle ganas. Nos vemos. Bye-bye.